Hello everybody! I am Allison Rose and this is the first episode of the Voice of the Fans podcast. And today we're going to cover first half recaps, Brewers, Cubs, White Sox seasons, general league overview. Alright, going to get some uh, Packers and Bears news. Uh, draft recap for the Bucks and Bulls, uh, new Liverpool signings, and this past week's WWE recap and news. Uh, recording this on, let's see, what, what the hell is the date here? Uh, Thursday, July 13th, 2017. No actual idea when I'm going to get around to uploading it, because, I don't know, I haven't actually figure out how to do that yet, but, <laughs> um, anyways, let's go straight into it. Let's start with the MLB news, huh? So, at the break, Milwaukee Brewers are nine games over 500, which, listen, I grew up watching, I grew up, well, watching and listening to the Brewers, like, you know, Bob Euchre is pretty much the reason I wanted to get into radio, so this is just warming my, you know, growing up in Wisconsin heart. They're five and a half games ahead of the Cubs and Cards, which, again, just warming my heart here. Just three and a half behind the Nationals for the two seed in the National League. And really, did anybody at all think that uh, Travis Shaw and Eric Thames were going to be this good? Seriously. And now, I haven't really been paying attention too much the last couple of years. Um... <laughs> part of doing this podcast is so, you know, I can actually get back into that thing. Jimmy Nelson is the best pitcher on this team? Like, seriously? And not just in the whole, you know, Ben Sheets and his band type that the Brewers had when I was growing up. No, like, this is a legitimately good pitching staff. Turns out, you know, cut down the walks, cut down the fucking bean balls, and you can actually be a pretty decent pitcher. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Nelson led the damn league in both those categories last year. Uh, yeah, led the majors, I think, actually. And Steven Vaught. Okay, Steven frickin' Vaught gets, re gets released by Oakland, comes over, and absolutely just fucking cranks. Alright, dude's a, dude's a two-time all-star. And he's hitting better right now than he did then. Okay, and this fucking Corey Neville... I honestly never heard of this guy before this year, but, like, absolutely Gibsonian ERA. Uh, when I started writing this episode um, <coughs> on Saturday, his ERA was at 1.11. Are you freaking kidding me? But then, you know, Saturday night, he walked, walked two guys, Clint Frazier took him deep. It's 1.7 at the moment. Yeah, I'll get to Frazier later. But yeah, Nebel... Brewers only All Star, absolutely deserves it. But the fucking Reds get two All Star nods, two of them. Yeah, Cozart and Votto, I think. They're ten games under five hundred. What is this bullshit? <laughs> like seriously, uh, God. Anyways, uh, trying to keep all these segments short because. God, I got 18 pages of notes. I got you know, pretty much 7,000 words of notes here. So, anyways. As for the Cubs. Whew, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, only guy in the team hitting over 290 right now is John Jay. Uh, he's 
uh, either at or just over 300. I don't remember. And he's all, and he's only been starting for the last month. He was guy off the bench before that. Uh, there was a little bit of a log jam in the outfield because apparently uh, somebody insisted on hitting Kyle Schwarber leadoff the entire year, and t- you know he hit like 170. Yeah, just spent two weeks in Iowa. He's back up now. You know, this guy's average up to a to a whopping 178. <laughs> uh, yeah, Miguel Montero, who has really was never that great of a defensive catcher on his best day, but and then fucking Trey Turner steals four bases off him and blows a gasket. Pretty much dares Joe Madden to to send him out of town, and you know. Men does exactly that, you know. Uh, Montero is in Toronto now. Addison Russell hitting 226 and dealing with domestic abuse accusations. So, god damn it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jason Hayward doing Jason Hayward things, which uh, Jason Hayward is not that good of an offensive player. Never really has been. Like he had like a year and a half where he was decent at the plate, but. Right, like he is—he might be the best defensive outfielder in baseball. But apart from that, he's not that great. Um, which you know, I'll take a good defensive outfielder over, you know, a decent one any day. But whatever. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, kind of having a down year. Like you know, still twenty homers. Except you know, he's only hitting you know like two sixty instead of you know instead of you know two ninety three hundred. Uh, starting pitching, absolutely ravaged by injuries. Uh, Hendricks has been out for a month. Uh, Brett Anderson is having, you know, Brett Anderson back issues. And he's just been getting lit up down at A. Ben Zobrist got old. Uh, uh, John Lackey got really old. He's he's 38. Really the only real bright spot on this team is Ian Hamp. Okay? Uh, he's basically just slotted right into that Ben Zobrist super utility role since he got called up in mid-May. <sighs> so, yeah. And as for the White Sox, uh, they're running dead last in the AL Central. Which... Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> Fucking alarm. Yeah, it's like not... It's. Uh, I, I usually have my alarm set for uh, 9 and 9.30 in the morning. That was the second one of those. So yeah, White Sox running dead last. 11 games under 500, 9 games out of first. Todd Frazier appears to have completed his transformation into late career Adam Dunn. I mean, Matt Davidson, another three true outcomes guy, strikes out even more than Frazier does, but his batting average is 30 points higher, so, you know, I'll forgive him. Uh, Tim Anderson, starting shortstop, absolute disaster. Leading the major leagues in errors, and his batting average is what is like what, two thirty, not even like, it's awful. Like dude's awful. I could probably do better. Okay, and dear gods, that pitching staff. Uh, Michael Yinwa has been DFA'd. Jose Quintana, four point four nine ERA, and was leading the fucking starting staff there. Now, there's some caveats. David Holmberg has does have a better ERA, but he's in the bullpen. Uh, Carlos Rodon was pitching like you know, like the ACS, but he missed the first two months of the year. 
and got torched in his last start. Mike Pelfrey's basically been pitching like Mike Pelfrey. Uh, Derek Holland's ERA is over 5, uh, so is Miguel Gonzalez's. James Shields is pretty close, but yeah, pretty close to 5. But, no, again, caveats. Missed two months, been lit up two of his last three starts. Really, this team's going about where it's been the last five start, the last five years. Pretty much nowhere fast. Only reason I'm even spending time on them is because it's Chicago. I'm trying to cover as much, you know, pro and college stuff in Chicago as I can. And don't get me wrong, I would love to see the White Sox be good again. In fact, the only major league games I've actually been to were, uh, there was one at the Cell last year and about 20 of them at Old Comiskey. Uh, back in, uh, my dad's bought, uh, my dad used to be a foreman down here, uh, working construction, and back then, you know, his boss would used to, you know, split his season ticket package between, you know, the four foremen, so, yeah, my dad used to get 20, you know, tickets to White Sox games, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, last time that happened was ni- fucking 1990. So apart from that, and they really haven't been worth talking about much lately, but late breaking news, Jose Quintana, the aforementioned 4.49 ERA guy, has been traded to the Cubs. Yeah, that's right. Um, first crosstown trade since November of 06. Uh, that was uh, Neil Cotts. I think, he got, I think he actually ended up getting some closing... <clears throat> Uh, spots, you know, a few years later for the Pirates. But yeah, Neil Cotts to the north side for David Ardsma, you know, kind of, you know, meh, back of the rotation guy, and Carlos Carlos Vasquez, who never even touched the major leagues, just in case you're wondering. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if John Lackey you know, doesn't just does not come back for the Cubs once he gets healthy. Like, or if he does, it'll be like, you know... <clears throat> middle relief type. Like, he's done. And as for the rest of the league, you know, Houston versus Los Angeles. I would I would like to see that. If, you know, for no other reason than to give Carlos Beltran just one last shot in the ring before he, you know, rides off to Cooperstown. I mean, seriously, cannot think of anyone in the league right now who deserves it more than he does. He's 40 years old. For, there for a while there, like, he was the best player in the league, not named Albert Pujols. Of course, you know, it doesn't really hurt that, you know, the Astros might have four of the best five, uh, four of the best 15 position players in the league right now. And that's not even, you know, and Marwin Gonzalez isn't even in there. Isn't even in that list. And, you know, Dallas Kuchel, you know, don't at me here, but he might be the best pitcher, to, he might be the best pitcher in the league right now. And you want to talk about fucking Gibsonian ERA numbers. Kucho was running with a 1.67. Then had a pinched nervous neck last month. Could be back in the next couple weeks. And then, as for the Dodgers, Justin Turner, absolute god right now. Leading the majors in batting average and on-base percentage. Running third in OPS, on-base plus slugging. And just by himself... He's making up for Chase Utley playing like the 38-year-old second baseman that he is. Seriously. And I know, yeah, Dave Roberts, 
I know you're... Okay, you're not listening to this, but just please, 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 just put Chris Taylor in there full-time. Okay? At least done. He's been done. Like, put him out to pasture. Speaking of absolute gods, Aaron Judge. 30 home runs to the break. Okay? Of course, leading the majors. 691 slugging percentage, which... Nobody's finished the year with better since Barry goddamn Bonds back in 04. Alright, Aaron Judge, 1.139 OPS. Best since 2004. On pace for more home runs than anybody since, you know, the 73 year in 2001. And yeah, 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 whatever. I've heard plenty about the juice ball thing, but dude's an absolute beast. Dude's like, what, 6'7"? Like, and just a fucking monster. Like, he's, he's hitting, like, the second coming of Babe Ruth. In fact, he might be the second coming of Babe goddamn Ruth. One home run derby, of course. Kind of a sure thing. I mean, home run derby, I would not be surprised if that was at least as predetermined as pro wrestling. But at least WWE has the fucking stones to admit it. And as long as we're on the Yankees, uh, this brings me to... One of my core beliefs as a sports fan. Every league has one or two teams that just make the whole league better when they're good. Okay? I believe that baseball is better when the Yankees and Dodgers are good. I, yeah, I believe that the NBA is better when the Lakers and Bulls are good. NFL? I mean, I guess the Packers? I mean, it's been so goddamn long since they've been, you know bad to mediocre for more than a year or two at a time that I honestly don't know. Like, I'm not even bragging there. I'm not saying this, you know, just because I've been a Packer fan my whole life. Last time they had their second straight losing season was 1991. I was like, two. And of course, you know, that was at the end of a like a 20-something year run of, you know, just mediocrity to, you know, awfulness. You know, since Holmgren took over... Since Brett Favre became starting quarterback, they've had four non-winning seasons total. Okay, in that run starting in 1992, uh, they finished eight and eight in '99, missed the playoffs on point differential. Uh, 2005, literally everybody got hurt. Like they were down to like Sam Con Gatto. I mean, a bunch of receivers got hurt. Like it was, it was a mess. Uh, 06, finished eight and eight. Missed the playoffs on some some call a strength of victory tiebreaker, and then 2008, um, 2008 uh, preseason Brett Favre forces the trade to the and to the Jets because you know Ted Thompson is just fucking tired of him at this point, and then they lost four straight games in November and December by a total of 14 points. Okay, all right. 2009 Aaron Rodgers wins those games. 2008 Aaron Rodgers really wasn't ready to. Anyways, back on topic. Um, I would actually... Okay, so... Also, uh, Barclays Premier League. Um, you know, I actually truly believe that that league is better when Leeds United is in there. Yeah, you heard. Fucking Leeds. <laughs> and basically... 
And the Scottish League, basically, if any club other than Celtic Rangers is good, then that league's better. I don't care, I don't care if it's Aberdeen or, you know, or Hibs or Hearts. If there's three solid clubs in that, in that league, it's worth watching. Anyways, back to the Yankees. Um, Sabathia was on his rebirth tour, basically. Like, he was pitching like the old CC Sabathia until he got hurt. Uh, Aaron Judge, of course, you know, like I mentioned, hitting like Babe Ruth. Clint Frazier has been being hyped as the second coming of Mickey Mantle for the last couple of years, and then gets called up a week and a half ago and fucking plays like it. Gary Sanchez, just doing Gary Sanchez things. Uh, Starling Castro having the season of his goddamn life. Uh, right, yeah, he's on the 10-day DL, straight hamstring at the moment, but he's going to be in Trenton for a rehab assignment later this week. Should be back by Sunday for the doubleheader at Fenway. Uh, Jordan Montgomery has been an absolute revelation so far this year. And yes, you know, he's in the minors right now, but that's mostly because, you know, he had options left. They're sending him down there, you know, to get some work during the All-Star break. He'll be back up on Sunday, too. So, yeah. As, and as good as they are right now, they would be so much better, you know, if, you know, when Matt Holliday gets back, they just put Jacoby Ellsbury out to pasture. But, but I mean, who am I kidding? Like, this is Joe Girardi's team. Uh, dude is absolutely addicted to his veterans. So they're just going to send Frazier back to Scranton. They shouldn't, but they will. So yeah, the Yankees are good again. Look on their works, ye mighty, and spare. Also, Bartolo Colon is heading to Minnesota. I mean, technically Rochester. I mean, he signed a minor league deal with the Twins. But, you know, he was pretty damn good last year. <laughs> Did get blown up in Atlanta earlier this year. I mean, I'm not going to deny the, you know the eight-something ERA, and, but he'll be back, and yeah, it's going to be a sad day in baseball when he hangs it up. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, going to be back this weekend, and my fantasy team is looking forward to that so much. Like, uh, like I think, I don't even, he might have been my first-round pick. I think he was my first-round pick, but he's been out for like two months because, what was it? A dirt bike accident? Whatever. Dude shouldn't be doing that shit during the year anyways. Um, anyways, just finishing, uh, Prod Pep, uh, but yeah, finished, so yeah, as I was finishing this, this up on Tuesday night, uh, All-Star game happened. American League won, 2-1, to one. um, yeah, Robinson Cano hit the game-winning home run in the, t- in the 10th off of Wade Davis. Hashtag LOL Cubs. <laughs> Yadier Molina got a solo homer in the sixth. 23 strikeouts between the two teams. Yeah, it's just kind of that. It's just that kind of season. But hey, at least it doesn't determine home field advantage anymore. I mean, God. I do not understand why that was a thing. Like, holy crap. Anyways, onward. Packers is new uh, training camp kicks off later this month. Still plenty of questions about this team. Is Ty Montgomery actually going to be the feature back? 
how much is Demarius Randall going to be torched in, you know, the Charles Woodson, you know, hybrid DB role? Is Devon House any goddamn good? He's been in Jacksonville the last couple of years, but he was just kind of painful to watch his first four, first four years of his career in Green Bay. Uh, two new tight ends, uh, Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks. Lance Kendricks, of course, a Wisconsin guy. And how are they going to gel with the receivers who are already there? I mean, it's Ke- I, mean I, w- I actually wouldn't be surprised if Kendricks just straight up l- replaces uh, Jordy Nelson in the slot on some downs. Or maybe they run kind of a double slot thing. I don't know. <laughs> Alright, and linebackers. What does that look like You know, once they get past Matthews? <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, this is, this is, you know, you know, voice of the fans prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince Beagle ends up getting most of the snaps at, a, at that other outside linebacker slot. Uh, he's a fourth-round pick this year out of Wisconsin. Grew up, on the fa- grew up on the family Cranberry Bog in Wisconsin Rapids. Grandfather played for Eau Claire. I mean, this is just the quintessential Wisconsin kid right here. And also... The most important question of all of this, is this the year that Dom Capers finally gets fired? Dear God, I hope so. I really, really hope so. Um, but yeah, they have a ready-made replacement right now. Ron Zook is on that coaching staff. He's coaching. He's been coaching the special teams the last couple of years. He's been an NFL defensive coordinator before. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's Ron Zook, but he's a good coach. Alright, can't recruit worth a damn, but he is a pretty fucking good coach. Anyways, um, and the Bears. The Bears. Can't, yeah, I mean, I just can't help but pity them at this point. I mean, they won all three games last year. So what do they do? They replace Jay Cutler with Mike freaking Glennon. They give him 85% of Cutler's salary to basically be 85% of the quarterback. Three years, 45. 45 million. But yeah, there is an out here. I mean, there. And it's only 18.5 million guaranteed. They can cut him this year, only take 4.5 million cap hit next year. Which, they might just end up doing that because. God, what did they. Like, gave up a goddamn King's Ransom to move up one spot. Moved from the third pick to the second to pick Mitch Trubisky. Alright, 49ers weren't actually going to take him. Okay, they... 49ers have their quarterback right now. Alright, Brian Hoyer. Who's probably going to be... He's probably going to end up being better than Mitch Trubisky ever will. Yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised if Mark Sanchez... Mark fucking Sanchez ends up seeing meaningful playing time this year. He's going into the year as the backup. Uh, Trubisky, you know, as the third quarterback. Of course, you know, I'm hearing... I'm hearing some bullshit about uh, Trubisky maybe getting, you know, a chance to compete for the starter's job. No. No, please don't. Please don't. You give Mike Lennon $15 million a year, he's your guy. Anyways, uh, Dub Bears then traded down in the second round with the Cardinals, which, whatever, like, that's fine, you know, gotta pick up draft picks, but they traded down and took Adam Shaheen. Okay, tight end. 
from some D2 school in Ohio. Played some basketball in college. I think, I don't know, they think he's going to be next Jimmy Graham or some shit. Like, no. Like, dude's going to be close to the Rico Gathers. Okay? Look him up. He used to play for Baylor. Got a, basically got a tryout. And got drafted, I think, by the Eagles? I don't know. And just didn't even make the team. Uh, no third round pick because of the Trubisky trade. Uh, next year's third rounder is gone, too. Uh, they gave their sixth round pick to the Rams to move up five spots in the fourth round and take Eddie Jackson out of Alabama. Now, Eddie Jackson... I don't really know what to think of him. Too small to play safety. Probably not fast enough to play corner, but then... we, th- You know, we thought the same thing about... Uh, the fucking... I don't know, I'm, I'm, drawing, a, I'm drawing a blank here. I'm at Cardinals, uh, former LSU guy. Live, everybody. Um, <laughs> not really. Yeah, thought and kind of thought the same thing about Tyron Matthew, but I don't think Jackson is as good as Matthew. And and then you know this guy has a history, it has an injury history where you don't know, you just don't know. Then they use one of the Cardinals' picks to take uh, Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen might be the best player that the Bears pick. Uh, Tariq Cohen, dude's like, what, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, like 170 pounds. Like, he's a little guy. Uh, but, you know, Deacon Jones Award winner of North Carolina A&T. Uh, Deacon Jones Award goes is the best HBCU player might end up being the best offensive player to come out of a historically black school since Donald Driver. Yeah, you heard me. I... Tariq Cohen, like, looks a hell of a lot like Darren Sproles. Like, to me. Looks like a Darren Sproles type of running back. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up returning kicks, uh, playing the quick half of a Thunder and Lightning combo with Jordan Howard this year. Uh, fifth round pick, Jordan Morgan. Conference player of the year for some D2 school in Pennsylvania. Uh, offensive lineman. And their sixth round pick went to Houston in 2015 for some guy named Kari Lee. Uh, tight end, spent most of the year on the, pla- on the practice squad. Didn't make the team last year. Uh, got cut in September. Seventh round pick went to Arizona in the earlier trade down. Total of five picks. At least two of them are going to be complete wastes. Tariq Cohen, you know, the absolute gem there, but it's a, a good, you know, fourth round pick does not make up for an awful first rounder. No. And yeah, seventh round pick went to Arizona. So yeah, top free agent signing after Glennon, Victor Cruz, hasn't been good since 2013. Uh, they picked up a bunch of other old Giants guys. From a team that wasn't that great, but whatever. Um, see, the defense just got awful. Okay, schedule might be one of the tougher ones in the league. Like, this is a one or two win team just waiting to happen. This team is not any better than it was last year, and everybody's getting fired. Everybody's getting fired. Well, okay, most of the people are getting fired. The McCaskies aren't, and that's the problem. Anyways. Now, I wasn't going to cover NBA news this time. You know, my script was already uh, running 15-plus pages without it. 
But then I actually took a look at what the Bulls did with their draft, and I just had to dunk on them. Like, Gar Foreman is just... <laughs> like, we thought Paxton was bad. Jesus. Big story going into the draft was Boston trading down with Philly. Uh, they sent, like, the Celtics had the number one pick um, from Brooklyn because the Kevin Garnett trade. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. And, like, Danny Ainge knew that at the time. That's why he made the goddamn trade. Like, what, Pierce is gone? Like, <laughs> yeah, Pierce and Garnett are both retired. And they're still getting picks out of this. They're getting a pick next year. They still have a pick next... They still have Brooklyn's first rounder next year. Oh my god. The most lopsided trade in league history right there. Guaranteed. So yeah, they sent the number one overall pick to Philly for the third. And uh, next year's Lakers pick, if it falls between two and five. Which, eh. Lakers might actually end up being good. And if it doesn't fall between 2 and 5, then they get the Sixers 2019 pick, which is probably going to end up being middle of the first round. But yeah, big story coming out was the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, Butler and the 16 pick for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and, and the 7 pick. So, Jimmy Butler needs no introduction. Top 5 player in the league. Uh, 16 pick... Uh, ended up being uh, Justin Patton, a uh, seven-footer out of Creighton. Kind of just, you know, bog-standard, short-range center. I mean, you know, maybe he ends up being good, but, you know. <laughs> You're going to have to see a little bit from him. Anyways, Zach Levine. Now, I've liked Zach Levine for a while. You know, pretty good combo guard. And he was averaging 19 a game last year until he blew out his is his, 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 that. Until he blew out his ACL in February. I'm going to leave that in. Okay. Because I just want to get this out. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Chris Dunn. Uh, fifth overall pick last year. Uh, Providence. Average four points. Two assists. Uh, two rebounds and a steal. In 17 minutes game last year. Not playing in the summer league. Because of injury. Uh, because of family issues. <sighs> yeah. Most years with Chicago. You'd be, you know, heading to the G League, but this isn't most years. He'll be in the start. For, he'll be in the mix for starters minutes because Chicago is just kind of like eh, taking the year off. But the seven pick might be the jewel here. Um, the seven pick is Laurie Markinen. Yeah, now I've been high on this guy for, you know, well, basically, you know, since I heard about him in like, in like December. Seven-footer, uh, you know, from Finland, went to Arizona last year, and dude's just got Dirk Nowitzki written all over him. Now, my first impression was that I would actually rather have four years of marketing than one year of Butler, and I stand by that, like, 100%. But did they really have to give up that 16 pick? Like, really? I mean, if Levine can contribute at all, then... The Bulls might actually win this draft, but on this um, this trade, and he's claiming that he's ahead of schedule and gonna be ready for training camp. Now, what would that put it at? Nine months? 
which is, you know, on the short end of an ACL recovery. I mean, it's doable. I, I'll have to see it to believe it. Okay? And then the second round. Now, the second round of the NBA draft might be one of the most undervalued parts of any draft in any sport. So many decent to great players coming out of the second round, but they just fucking give away their second round picks. Like, these fucking teams just give away their second round picks all the time. Gar fucking Foreman is one of those people who just shits on the second round. Sells the 38 pick to the Warriors. Just sold it. Three and a half million in cash. You know, decent amount of money. And it's, and it's, I think it's, it might be a trade exception. But, yeah, it was a, originally it was a, a Sacramento lottery protected first round pick for 2012. That was sent to Cleveland, you know, way back 2011 for J.J. Hickson. And it's been rolling over forever because the Kings have just been that bad for that long. Well, part of it's that the West has been that good, but the Kings have just been that bad. Got sent to the Bulls with uh, in the Luol Deng trade back in 2014. And it finally just became a second rounder this year. But the Bulls didn't have their own second rounder. Alright, they sent it to the Knicks in the Derrick Rose trade. And they don't have one for the next two years either. And the kicker for all this, they sent it to the Warriors. So what did the Warriors do with it? They picked Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell, who single-handedly dragged Oregon to the Final Four last year. Like, dude's a ready-made replacement for Draymond Green. Who, yeah, another second rounder. Guess what? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Green's going to get his max deal from someone else in 2020, and Jordan Bell's just going to slot right in there. Seriously, Foreman, what the what the hell? Um, you know, Milwaukee Bucks? Draft, fairly uneventful first round. Uh, they took DJ Wilson with the, uh, with the 17 pick. That's Michigan's power forward. You know, he'll be in the mix for starters minutes while uh, Jabari Parker's out. And then... Uh, they sold the 48 picks to the Clippers. But, you know, they kind of came back. They came back a couple weeks later um, and bought the rights to Sterling Brown from Philly. Uh, Sterling Brown, the 46 pick uh, out of SMU. And he's uh, Shannon Brown's younger brother. So, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. You know, looks. You know, could end up being useful. Uh, free agency, Rajon Rondo has been released. Yay! That was just a fuck. That was a mistake of a deal to begin with. And again, you know, we'll see if Chris Dunn's any good because Rondo's not going to be in his way. Like, and he hasn't been good for years. Like, anyone who's been paying attention would know that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just ends up playing in China next year. Anyways, uh, they re-signed uh, Cristiano Felicio for four years, thirty-two million. Got Justin Holiday back for two years, nine. And Nikola Mirotic. You know, restricted free agent. Nobody's biting. So, uh, Bucks, pretty quiet. Uh, just picked up Bronson Keening, a developmental deal after the draft. Uh, their only actual free agent is Jason Terry. He's like 40. Yeah, he's just gonna retire. Uh, anyways. Uh, onward to some happier news. Um, Liverpool. Liverpool bought, uh, Mohamed Salah a few weeks ago from Roma, but... 
you know, he's going to be kept out of friendly against Tranmere. Um, fr uh, friendly at Prenton Park. Uh, it turns out, can't be approved for work permit in the UK while you're actually in the country. I mean, yeah, I said happier news, but come on, anything's happier than the Bears and Bulls at this point. So yeah, it gets a couple of days off in Paris. Should be back with the club for the trip to Hong Kong uh, for the uh, Premier League Asia Trophy. I don't know. First, first match is against Palace on Wednesday. Uh, the final and the third place matches are on the 22nd against either West Brom or Leicester. Next time they play in Britain is August 5th at Anfield against Athletic Bilbao. Premier League opener is at Watford on August 12th. Only other real signing for Liverpool so far, so far has been Dominic Solanke. Uh, England under-20 international. Uh, his contract had expired at Chelsea. Seems like a pretty versatile striker. Uh, he's definitely saying all the right things so far. Uh, pretty tight with a few other Liverpool prospects. And should just slot right into the U23 side and hey, might show up in some cup matches. I mean, Liverpool is in Europe. And, you know, they'll be rotating fairly heavily. You know, it might end up, you know, showing up in the senior side. <sighs> now, wrestling. Wrestling. Um, sorry, I'm just a little bit of a nerd about this shit. Like, like, what is this? Like, yeah, half the goddamn script is wrestling shit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, WWE had their Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. And yeah. It might actually be the best show of the year outside of the Big Four. But, you know, that's really not saying that much. Like, they put on some absolute crap pay-per-views. Uh, Neville against Tozawa for the Cruiserweight belt on the pre-show. Neville won because, you know, he's just too good. Like, he, he, Neville is just too good to be stuck in the 205 Live ghetto. Yeah, okay, another rule. Yeah, 205 Live is a fucking ghetto. Alright. Yeah, I know. I, I know that I know what I called it. I, you want to know why Austin Aries asked for his release last week? It's because he knows that he's too good for the 205 Live. <sighs> yeah, and, and here's the thing. Neville was in the fucking IC title picture before all this. Like, the separate show for the Cruiserweights thing, never really a good idea. But instead of canceling 205 Live, they cancel the talk shows. They cancel Raw Talk and talking smack which you know as weekly shows which they say it's cost cutting measures how much could that really cost them like seriously whatever uh, Bray Wyatt over Seth Rollins uh, this should be over should be but it's probably not it, I don't know if it's gonna be and there wasn't any reason for this I mean you know you had you know Wyatt's you know I am a god thing against Seth Rollins, you know, Kingslayer. Uh, yeah, Bray Wyatt actually won, which, uh, honestly, I, the only reason I have to care about anything that Bray Wyatt's involved in right now is because I really want to write the Sister Abigail story. <laughs> like, I would love to book that, okay? <laughs> I can play crazy real well. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, Big Cass just squashed Enzo Amore. Uh, no real shock there. Cass is heading into a SummerSlam for you with Big Show. That, you know, we've been, we've been seeing, like, that's been coming for a while. Like, that's not surprising. 
probably gonna, you know, Big Show's gonna put him over, and Cass probably heading into the IC title picture, at least. You know, we'll see how that happens at SummerSlam, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going up against, you know, a Dean Ambrose or a Seth Rollins or, you know, a Finn Balor or someone like that afterwards. Unless it's actually serious about going for Lesnar, which, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, he went on Raw Talk after the show and said that he wants Lesnar. <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah, Enzo, probably heading for Burial on 205 Live. Unless, like, well, yes, well, I mean, apart from the whole, you know, 205 Live just being on that show is Burial, but there isn't anywhere else for him to go. Like, unless... I, I would love to see him become somebody's manager. I mean, he's already basically, you know, a Jersey Shore version of Jimmy Hart. But, yeah, he should be a manager. But, I don't know. I don't know if WWE is actually going to do that with him. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro beat the Hardys for the tag belts. 30-minute um, Iron Man match. Sheamus and Cesaro... Uh, one four falls to three. Uh, Matt Hardy had to get nine stitches over his eye after the match. Yeah, um, yeah, that feud's over, but, yeah. Things are about to get delightful. I'll get to that later. Um, Sasha Banks won her title match against Alexa Bliss by countout. So yeah, Alexa retains the title, they're heading for something at SummerSlam. It's either going to be like a cage match or like a no count out stipulation of some kind. And come on, this was too big of a feud to end at this show. Uh, Miz over Ambrose to keep the IC title should be over. That feud should be over. Should have been over months ago, but it probably isn't. Because WWE. And then... Holy fucking god, that ambulance match. Oh, god, yes. Ah, oh, Braun Strowman. Alright, now this is about the part of the show where I actually started watching. Uh, Braun Strowman opens up an unholy ass-kicking on Roman Reigns. Okay, starts off putting him into the post, into the steps. Then Strowman picks up the steps and beats Roman over the head with them. But, you know, I wasn't getting my hopes up because I've just seen too many of those, you know, hashtag Roman wins lol moments in the last couple of years. Then Roman tries to get a little bit of offense in. Tries. Just tries. Um, tr you know, try, you know, picks him up on his shoulders, um, uh, puts him back. They called it a Samoa drop. Um, I want, that was not a Samoa drop. That was a... I can't keep you up here anymore. I'm just gonna fall backwards. <laughs> Anyways, then Reigns pulls out a steel chair, and you know I figure Roman wins. Lol is in sight, and then Braun just fucking no sells it. He just stands there like nope, nope, and then throws the fucker up the ramp and into the screen off the stage, head first in the side of the ambulance, and I still. Still wasn't really ready to get my hopes up because, you know, it's Roman. So yeah, and then Superman punch. 
Strowman's half inside the ambulance, the ambulance, and we're in range. Then he picks himself up, throws Roman back on the stage, and then gets his ass speared through the LCD board. Roman Witten's lull is in the crosshairs. And after that, Braun picks himself up, throws Roman off the stage, and he comes this close to catching the corner of the ambulance door with his face. Pity. <laughs> Quick series of events, uh, Braun's back in position, and Roman goes for the spear. Roman, I'm sorry, Braun gets out of the way. Roman flies into the back of the fucking ambulance, and Braun closes the door. So, Braun's won the match. You know, he hits the back of the thing, you know, to tell the guy to go away, to tell the guy to drive off. And then Roman gets out of the ambulance, throws Braun into the back, but, you know, drives into the parking area, lines up the ambulance, and then backs it full speed into a fucking production trailer. Back of the ambulance is crumpled. They bring in the friggin' jaws of life to get the side door open. You know, Heath Slater just beats Kurt Hawkins in the meantime, you know, two minute match, you know, whatever. And then they get the side door open, and Strowman just kind of climbs out and, you know, staggers away. Refuses all medical treatment. Um, apparently, he ended up, you know, getting his own doctor. Just refused treatment at the scene. I mean, fucking Jamie Noble's like, hang on, Braun, hang on! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Jamie Noble. Bless his heart. Like, Jamie Noble. Uh, I always liked him. Um, you know, missed this whole run with J&J security, but I, well, apart from that, I've always liked him. Uh, main event time, Brock Lesnar against Samoa Joe. Now, I have always, always marked out pretty hard for Joe. You know, back when I was watching TNA, basically, you know, in the non-WWE guy division, it was basically, yeah, him, AJ, and, uh, Kazarian. Only guys worth watching. And, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Bobby Roode and Xavier Woods were around there at the time, but... <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Kazarian. Quick little side about Kazarian. Uh, he was in WWE for about two months in 2005. Um, I think, what was it? It was, Ohio it was OVW back then, right? The developmental territory? Yeah, it was there for two months. Until he found out that, you know, they were just gonna... Sh you know, shove him in the cruiserweight division back then. Okay, this is, you know, this is like, you know, Gregory Helms, Chavo Guerrero, you know, cruiserweight division. Like, he, he finds out that, he figures out that they're not actually going to do anything with that, and he asks for his release. <laughs> Which, you know, they've never done right by the smaller guys. I'm kind of worried about what they're going to do with Finn Balor. And yeah, Finn Balor's 190 pounds. Kenny Omega is like 200, 205. Yeah, I'm scared that they're gonna throw him in there. <sighs> Anyways, you know, and let's be real here. He's coming over, you know, two years maximum. Um, yeah. So yeah. And anyways, so Paul Heyman's introducing Lesnar. And Joe just fucking blindsides the guy. You know, sends him off... <laughs> sends him, you know, 
out of the ring, you know, executes a fucking Uranagi throw, you know, puts him through a ringside table, and and then they get back in the ring, and the crowd's just, just the Joe's gonna kill you. Oh, God, I love it. Uh, I have missed that so much. Uh, anyways, ref checks on Lesnar, signals for the bell. The Joe goes right back to work. Uh, Coquina Clutch gets locked in. Lesnar fights his way out of it. And then one, two, three German suplexes. You know. They make their way to the stage side of the ring. Joe kind of <clears throat> pulls in the ref with one hand. And then, you know, drops Lesnar with a low blow with the other, you know, you know, while he's between the ref and Lesnar. Joe goes for the cover out of this. Lesnar kicks out at two. Joe locks in the Coquina Clutch again. And then, sidewalk slam three more Germans. And then, Coquina Clutch number three. Lesnar drops to his knees, almost lights out, and then he fights back. Gets Joe onto his shoulders F5, 1, 2, 3. Ugh. God. Onward to Raw last night. Oh, I, last night, yeah. I, I wrote this section on Tuesday. So. So yeah, Onward to Raw last night. Show opens with the Casshole, as he is now affectionately known. Uh, you know, Big Cass gloating about beating Enzo. And he's like, Nobody can touch me! Nobody is on my level! I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I default to Southern. Because, you know, I default to Southern. I apologize to New York people. I just default to Southern. Um, because that's where I've, I've actually lived more in the South than in <laughs> New York. Um, that... Like, my Trump impression kind of ends up bleeding into a Bill Clinton one. <laughs> uh, nobody is bigger than Big Cass. And then right on cue, well, yeah, Big Show's music hits, and that just has opening match for SummerSlam written all over it. Um, of course, I'm just guessing that unless, you know, Either that or the Cruiserweight title match is going to be the opening show, uh, the opening of the show. Um, the Cruiserweight title match could just end up being on the pre-show again. Uh, Finn Balor blows off his mini-feud against Elias Sampson, you know, gets the win. But, at least I think he blew it off. I don't know. I got no clue what they're going to do with him. Uh, I want him... You know, to just join up with Gallows and Anderson, you know, reform Balor Club, but I don't know. But more likely, they're just gonna throw him into Cruiserweight Hell to fight with Neville until WrestleMania, and then they both need to be put in, in the actual in into the picture for an actual title. Like, anyways, uh, Hardys come to the ring after that to talk about Sunday nights. Jeff asks the crowd if they should just. Fade away and classify them ourselves as obsolete. Just massive pop because, of course, loaded delete chance. Matt's grinning ear to ear, and then Matt says that they came out here to make a proclamation. 
they have only begun to make magic. And then the club's music hits. Gallows tells the Hardys to practice their magic elsewhere. Matt drops this beautiful teasing you know, line about how neither of them are 100% that they're a little stitched up, a little, bu- a little bruised, and somewhat broken. <sighs> Big pop for the crowd. Uh, cl- they challenge the club to a match right there and then, and Gallows and Anderson actually win. Uh, you know, they hit the magic killer on Matt. Uh, Jeff, while well, Jeff's on the apron, you know, Jeff can't quite get back in in time to break up the pinfall. After the match, um, the Revival's music hits. You know, Dash and Dawson head to the ring, go right after the Hardys, hit the Shatter Machine on Jeff, and there's another SummerSlam feud. Come on, I know you want to break them. And the Revival are just the team to do it. Then it's time for the Mizzies. Yeah, right, yeah, the Mizzies. You heard me. Axel and Dallas won co-best, uh, co-won Best Supporting Actor. <clears throat> Maurice won Most Beautiful, Gorgeous, Sexy Leading Lady. Miz won Greatest Man in WWE. A bit of an upset, you know, if I do say so myself, but whatever. Um, you know, he reads Dean Ambrose at first because, you know, Miz is kind of a dick. And, like, we needed another goddamn reference to the Oscars. Like, seriously. Alright, then, you know, Miz goes on a little, his little acceptance speech, calls out the Hardys, Akira Tozawa, Seth Rollins' as frauds, and then Dean's music hits. Comes in, goes straight after Miz. <sighs> Dear God, let this feud end. End! End, you motherfucker, end! Uh, anyways, um, yeah, three-on-one beatdown, and then Rollins runs in, grabs the table the trophies have been on, and uses it as a battering ram. Clears the ring. Uh, they meet up backstage. Dean says that he doesn't trust Seth, which, I mean, fair enough. I, I went back and watched that uh, that clip where <laughs> where Seth betrayed the Shield. Twelve shots with the first chair, and then you know, like Rollins broke the fucking chair over Dean over Dean's back. Then he gets a new chair, curb stomps Dean onto it, and then, you know, gives it to Orton to break on Roman's back. Uh, anyways, uh, women's tag team match yet next. Sasha Banks and Bailey against Alexa and Nia Jax. Um, rematch from last week, Alexa tapped out to the bank statement. Uh, Nia got a double team for a lot of the match. Alexa hits Twisted Bliss on Bailey, covers broken up by Sasha. Then Nia goes shoulder first in the barricade. And Bailey rolls up Lexa for Wow, yeah, Bailey actually got the win. So So we're looking at a SummerSlam match, I guess. Sasha's still number one contender, obviously. Uh Bailey does have a pinfall win though. You know, one more of those, you know, in the singles match, maybe next week, and boom, triple threat. And you know what that means. No count outs. Yeah. Goldust over our truth Goldust dominates, hits the final cut, and dear God, let that be all. This, like, this match needed to be at the pay-per-view. Like, God, it would have made more goddamn sense than fucking Slater and Hawkins. Like, put that match on, on the split screen, while we're waiting for 
while they're fucking around with the ambulance and back. Like, seriously. Uh, next segment, Kurt Angle in the ring with Lesnar and Heyman. Uh, Heyman introduces Lesnar to Angle. Grin just... They're all grinning ear to ear because Lesnar and Angle, they've been friends for ages, like since WrestleMania 19. You know, you know the one. Uh, Angle wrestled with, you know, a broken frickin' neck. I think his second one? Uh, well, first one in WWE. And, you know, Lesnar damn near broke his. His neck trying to do a fucking shooting star press, which lands on his fucking head. And the only reason he didn't break it was because he's brought goddamn Lesnar. Um, Angle says that he wants to brainstorm ideas for SummerSlam. You know, Heyman says that, you know, he doesn't want to do, he doesn't do creative meetings in public. And then starts to leave and then, boom, Roman's music hits. Says that Angle owes him for the attempted murder. Because Angle couldn't figure out how to deal with Strowman and Lesnar's never around to. Just beautiful. Beautiful. So yeah, Roman demands a title shot. You know, Heyman says he likes the idea, but Lesnar just kind of just laughs at it. Because, you know, Roman lost the match. Then Joe comes in, says that he's still the number one contender because Lesnar didn't beat Joe. Lesnar escaped him. Then takes a shot at Roman because, you know, Roman's never beaten Joe. You know, Roman and Joe have kind of had a thing uh, going on the last couple weeks because Roman says that, you know, Joe's not a real Samoan. What, like, you know, just because he's not a fucking, you know, from the fucking Anoa'i family, you know, it doesn't mean he's not a real Samoan, you fucking asshole. Anyways, um, so yeah, Heyman just starts fucking screaming. Yeah, says that Joe's never getting another title shot. He'll never get another shot. Uh, Joe just uses that as fuel. Just, like, Joe just pulls the perfect promo here. Just like, tells Lesnar that, you know, you should listen to his advocate. Because Heyman knows you better than anybody. He's protecting you because deep down at the bottom of his soul, he knows that Joe's the one to beat him. Lesnar, you know, makes some you know, wise crack, you know. Lesnar starts going in on him. Joe says, that, you look me in the eye when I'm talking to you. Or we're going to sell this right here now. And Roman takes a crack about how Joe lost. Joe takes a shot about how Roman lost. And then Roman says, look at me. Now look at Braun, if you can find him. And match is set for next week. Roman Reigns gets to promote Joe. Winner gets a title shot. Um, next up, Cruiserweight bullshit. Uh, Tozawa and Cedric Alexander against Neville and Noam Dar. Uh, Tozawa got the pinfall on Neville. So yeah, we're going to see how that sorts itself out. I mean, I don't know. Like, Neville should not lose the Cruiserweight belt. Like, I don't know who's going to pick actually beat him, but none of these guys should. Like, none of these guys have actually proven themselves. Like, I don't know. I would, ha I would have Gargano come up from NXT to beat him. Let's see, next up, uh, Wyatt over Rollins again. Which... Why is this still going? Why? Uh, that didn't really mean anything. Um, important part came after the match. Miz comes down to the ring with, with you know his lackeys to beat down Rollins. And then Ambrose comes in with a steel chair to even the odds. Um, Rollins 
appears to be the number one contender for the IC belt, kind of by default, because nobody wants it, but which is a damn shame. I mean, you know, look at the guys who have held that belt. You know, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Triple H, Rock, Austin. You know, Jericho's a nine-time IC champion, but nobody wants the fucking title. I don't get it. Like, at least, you U.S. title, people want that damn thing. What are we looking at? You know, Cena and, and Styles at SummerSlam for that? Like, that's a fucking main event match. And it's for the U.S. belt. Raw needs to fucking take, an, and take a page out of their book. Anyways, closing out the show, next week we're finally, finally getting a fucking conclusion to that texting angle. Uh, Kurt's going public says, I love you, to whoever's on the phone with. Um, I'm actually kind of betting on an affair, you know, of some kind. You know, could be an illegitimate son angle. You know, could be involving Stephanie McMahon. The one I actually like, the rumor I actually like, is Dixie Carter. Um, you know, she was on uh, the WWE 24, uh, the Kurt Angle Homecoming uh, documentary. You know, rumored to have been hired by WWE, and I don't know if it gets the, if we get the Broken Hardys out of the deal, I'll put up with Dixie Carter on TV. <laughs> Anyways, um, onward to SmackDown. AJ Styles is the United States Champion. Beat Kevin Owens at a house show on MSG on Friday. Um, which there was a fucking battle royal last week. It's completely pointless now. Um, now, I've heard people say that, you know, that they're trying to, you know, boost house show ticket sales because, you know, anything can happen at a house show. No. Um, it's, you know, it's MSG. Like, that's the only reason this happened. Um, it might boost ticket sales for one event. July 29th. House show at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. Um, it's the last event there. Last event at the Joe. Not just the last WWE event, it's the last event there. Period. They're gonna want to pack the house. Like, WWE is fucking closing the Joe. Which, whatever. I would have rather had, you know, a boxing match there, but, you know, like, a big fight there. But, whatever. Because, you know, it's named after Joe goddamn Lewis, but, Whatever. Anyway, so Styles issues a United States Championship Open Challenge, and then ba da ba, you know, seeing his music hits. <laughs> ah, and yeah, Cena comes to the ring, you know, calls for a referee, and then Owens comes down. Oh, and Cena comes to the ring. Yeah, um, you know, s says. Some long lines of, you know, I bet it's open to everybody except me. And then <laughs> Style says, especially you. Then, you know, Cena calls for referee. Say, a referee, we get Kevin Owens. Um, comes down, tells Cena that he's owed a rematch. Uh, Cena, you know, runs his mouth, calls KO, you know, Michelin Man. And then Rusev comes in from the crowd, goes after Cena. Owens hits a fucking pop-up powerbomb on Styles. Rusev kicks Cena in the face, locks in the accolade. Boom. 
main event tonight, setup. Uh, Rusev, of course, is seen as opponent. Flag match in two weeks at Battleground, and it's looking like... I'm, it's possible that the Owens-Styles rematch is going to be then. Um, you know, there's some, you know, some people are saying that Owens is hurt. That's why, you know, they had him lose the title. But, I don't know. Uh, Ty Dillinger, Jinder Mahal next up. Uh, Dillinger gave it a pretty good shot. Uh, got plenty of offense in, but, you know, one Colossus. That's all she wrote. Now, all right. Since it's the first episode, I gotta go into detail about uh, my feelings towards Jinder Mahal. Um, <laughs> you know, he is a de facto heel. He was pulling the you know, anti-American thing, and he is an arrogant asshole who's been pushed to the moon because somebody introduced him to Randy Orton's doctor. But you know, everything like is everything that right-wing talk radio hates. Stands for everything that they and their audiences are scared of. I can't hate him. I really can't hate him that much right now. So yeah, he's bringing in the Pajami Prison next week. Oh, fucking joy. So yeah. Uh, Jey Uso versus Xavier Woods next up. And Xavier actually wins! When was the last time that Xavier Woods actually won a singles match? <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I don't give a shit about the New Day. Like, Raw's breaking up all their tag teams way too early. New Day has needed to be broken up for a very long time. Uh, Baron Corbin comes out to the ring for his match against Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura doesn't give him a chance, and boom, pull apart brawl. I don't know, like, why are they fighting? Like, I don't know. Like, might have some, I don't know, if it has something to do with that, with the Money in the Bank match, whatever, this is gonna be a battleground. Give him something to do, I guess. Uh, Fatal Five, um, yeah, anyways, uh, women's tag team action. Uh, Natalia and Tam and uh, Tamina against Charlotte and Becky Lynch. They're in a fatal five-way elimination match at Battleground. Uh, Lana is the other one involved. Winner gets a title shot at SummerSlam against Naomi. Uh, Tamina pins Charlotte here. Actually gets a little assist from Lana, and yeah, um, yeah. Lana's not really ready for a competitive role, so. We're kind of looking at, you know, a partnership. You know, Tamina being kind of a security guard type. You know, the muscle. Which, no. Like, she just got back and you're, you know, sticking her in, you know, fucking no woman's land. <laughs> Anyways. Backstage segment. Uh, Sami Zayn wants Mike and Maria to get a room. Uh, Maria slaps Sammy. Mike Slash uh, smashes a fucking vase over his head, over Sammy's head, and boom, we have another battleground feud. Pre-show, dear God, like this is a pre-show feud. Anyways, main event time: uh, Cena and Styles versus Owens and Rusev. Uh, phenomenal forearm to Rusev, Pele kick to Owens, attitude adjustment to Owens. Cena wins. Lol. Come on, you knew it was coming. It's coming at battleground. Just. Ugh. Just break out the fucking shovels. Rusev's getting buried again. Uh, 205 Live nonsense. Uh, Tozawa against Arya Divari. T 
Tozawa has Davari beat because that's what happens when Arya Davari gets in the ring. Like, he's pretty much the jobber of the cruiserweight division. And then Neville comes out, absolutely destroys Tozawa, locks in the rings of Saturn, doesn't let go for ages. Uh, Brian Kendrick comes out to mock Jack Gallagher, calls him, you know, a third a third rate William Regal. You know, Gallagher, sorry, Gallagher, says that he'll not, he'll knock Kendrick's head off, and then he goes ahead and does it. And then Kendrick breaks a couple of umbrellas over Gallagher's back. Okay. I'm kind of interested in this feud, which, you know, puts it a step above anything that's been on the show since A-Double's last match <laughs> at Extreme Rules. Like, let's be honest here. Let's see, Rich Swan beats some guy named Mario Connors. Uh, TJ Perkins, uh, now going by TJP, I guess, says that he can do it faster. And then, you know, detonation kick right out of the gate. Uh, they're trying to one-up each other lately. Um, uh, apparently it's because Swan beat Perkins last week. Like, it, the, I don't know where this is going. Uh, it smells like a pre-show match for SummerSlam. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe Battleground. But I don't think so. Uh, main event, uh, Cedric Alexander versus Noam Dar in an I Quit match. Uh, Dar basically blows up Alexander's left knee, which... Listen, I've had a bum knee for a while. Like, about a decade. That hurt. Like, that hurt to watch. And then, uh, Alexander traps Noam Dar's left wrist in a chair, starts stomping on it, and wins the match. You know, you know Dar, you know, gives up. Afterwards, um, Noam Dar tells Alicia Fox that, you know, that he quit her. <laughs> that, you know, I quit you. Um, yeah, there's been a love triangle between uh, Dar, Fox, and Alexander for a while. I haven't given a shit. And I still really don't. Um, goes on about how he's the youngest superstar on the main roster, which is kind of debatable. Like, it depends on whether you consider 205 Live, 205 Live to be the main roster, or kind of some kind of purgatory between main roster and NXT. But he is 23. Okay. He's, you know, he's younger, he's younger than I am. Uh, it's about, you know, goes on about how he used her to get the spotlight on him, and she isn't worth it anymore. Good shit. Yeah, I mean, Heel Dar seems entertaining, but... Three entertaining guys, um, Alexander, Dar... No, um, no, sorry, uh, Dar, Galher, and Kendrick. Three entertaining guys, and, you know, the unstoppable force of Neville does not a viable division make. You know, pretty pretty decent week of WWE action overall. Um, between the Revival's beatdown of the Hardys, Bailey's involvement in a title feud, the screwy finish that you just know that Braun's going to bring to the number one contenders match next week. I mean, I think someone in that writer's room listens to the Off the Script podcast. Guaranteed. Um, anyways, SmackDown, meh, but... You know, battleground card set, mission accomplished. Uh, 205 Live was actually tolerable. Um, I'm not going to care about a Neville storyline until he, you know, loses to someone believably. But Kendrick Gallagher has some fire in it. And, you know, I kind of forgot how talented Noam Dar is because of that fucking love triangle. Hopefully it's finished, but... Eh, 
Anyways, uh, rumors. WWE rumors making rounds. Um, apparently, Enzo and Cass both have some backstage heat. Uh, apparently, Cass is a massive, massive Donald Trump supporter. What is this, take your politics to work day? <laughs> like, listen, I don't care if your boss is literally married to a member of Trump's cabinet. Alright, Linda McMahon is, um, is uh, head of the Small Business Administration, I think. Just leave that shit out of the locker room. Like, especially, like, leave your politics at the fucking door. <sighs> Anyways, uh, Enzo kick got kicked off the talent bus by none other than Roman goddamn Reigns. Which, I no idea why. Who the fuck gave Roman the idea who, that he's, you know, JBL or Taker? Like, seriously. Ugh. Now, okay. The big story. Now, I don't like to cover rumors. I don't really like to cover too many rumors overall. Especially if they don't matter for WWE storylines, like active angles. But it's not quite a rumor. And it does directly affect somebody who's currently signed to WWE. Um... So, Paige and Alberto Del Rio. For those of you who don't know, um, who've been under a rock for a while, uh, Paige hasn't appeared on TV in over a year. Uh, she was drafted to Raw uh, at the brand split last July, separated from her then-boyfriend, now fiancé, who was going by Alberto Del Rio at the time, drafted to SmackDown. Uh, Del Rio, nine months into a second chance in WWE at the time, but... Apparently claimed that he was promised a main event push when he got back, and like a month, you know, month after the draft, opted out of his contract. Um, while you know he and Paige were in the were in the middle of 30-day wellness policy suspensions at the time, both of them, Del Rio opts out, and then goes off, you know, does some indie work. Uh, Paige took some time off to have some neck surgery got popped for something again in October. Uh, she claimed that it's a pres that was a prescription med. W WWE said it wasn't, but wouldn't clarify any further. Uh, they get engaged in October. And then March comes around, that fucking sex tape involving Brad Max and Xavier Woods was leaked. Um, the sex tape, apparently filmed in 2011. She was 18. Uh, they were all in uh, what was, at the time, FCW. The developmental territory that would eventually be renamed NXT. Um, so yeah, she was 18. Woods and Maddox, I don't know, late 20s at the time? Let's see. And then, you know, Del Rio's just slamming a bunch of WWE guys on Twitter the whole time. You know, challenges Triple H and the Usos to fights. You know, all kinds of bullshit. So yeah, he shows up on fucking Impact in March, calling himself Alberto El Patron. Um, you know, apparently, uh, Del Rio is a name that's owned by WWE. He calls himself Alberto El Patron in the Indies. By the way, this guy, Alberto, is the son of Dos Caras. Legendary. Legendary, uh, luchador. Uh, nephew of Mil Mascaras. Another legendary luchador. Anyways. So yeah. Shows up on Impact. But yeah, he's calling himself Alberto El Patron. 
Anyway, shows up demanding a title shot, gets it, wins the GFW title in my, on me. Uh, that's Global Force Wrestling. Uh, Impact uh, Global Force. Um, that was the production that the promotion that Jeff Jarrett founded after he was forced out at Impact, and they were in the process of merging at the time. El Patron beats Lashley to unify the belts at Slammiversary earlier this month. Paige is in the front row with a fucking lucha mask on, and then next fucking day, you know they get into a fucking gigantic fight in the Orlando airport. Uh, he's hammered. He's soaking wet. You know, Paige's going on about how he's been on a two-day coke and booze bender. Then they get to security. Del Rio says that all the coke's in her bag. And then, you know, he's getting investigated for, uh, for domestic violence. Actually been suspended from Impact. This clown is their fucking champion. The face of the new era. Uh, apparently, you know, all the TNA shit, like, had a bunch of bad karma about it. And then, and then they kick off the rebranding with, you know, a fucking, you know, alcoholic addict abuser. Now listen, I got nothing against alcoholics and addicts. You know, I am, you know, myself, I am a recovering alcoholic. And, you know, you know I am... You know, I do have a number of addictions, but uh, you don't put this guy at the front of your company, okay? You don't make this guy your heavyweight champion. You know, and this is an extremely simplified version of this. You know, there's a fucking 20-minute long off-the-script extra episode on it from last week. You know, go fucking watch it. You know, please, give JD some support. Like, dude deserves it. And I, I'm coming at this. I've been around drunken abusers for most of my life. Um, you know, like my dad, my grandpa, my stepdad. You know, I know who the, I know what these guys are like. The way things are going right now, someone's gonna end up fucking dead before anyone even tries to stop Del Rio. Okay? You know, Paige needs to get the hell out of there. And she needs help. You know what? I'm, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to say it right now. Do it right here on the Voice of the Fans podcast. I'm going to offer my services as a life coach. Help Paige get her life back on track. Because, listen. Because I, I know how to do it. I have done it myself. Alright? It's, it's damn near impossible to do it on your own. I only... I only did it because, you know, I actually I, ha I ended up having a bunch of friends, you know, 2014, 2015. Finally, you know, built up a support network outside of the abusive structure. Okay, like, Paige needs help. All right, Del Rio needs help too, but, you know, Paige is the one that is actually likely to be able to accept the help. I've seen... Listen, I don't want anyone to end up getting killed by, you know, drunken abusers like this fucking clown. Seen, seen too many people go down it. Seen too many people go down that fucking road. Fucking tired of it. Anyways, on that cheerful note, um, <laughs> I've been Allison Rose. Yeah, we're going up on 90 minutes here. 
Anyways, I've been Allison Rose, and that's been episode one of the Voice of the Fans podcast. Uh, please, subscribe and rate the show on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever other platform you find this on. Uh, I'm going to try to do this twice a week. Um, yeah, 18 pages of notes this time. But, you know, I probably won't have to do half-season recaps for four baseball teams going forward. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voice of the Fans if you want to toss a few bucks my way. Uh, I'll be streaming some video games over at uh, twitch.tv slash buggybone. Apparently, they're giving out a subscriber button to anyone who gets a three-viewer average right now. Yeah. Which, you know, that's about what I was getting back when... I stream regularly. I'm going to try to start doing that again. Who knows? Maybe it'll work. Um, you know? And until next time, yeah. Uh, stay safe, everyone. I, I, I'm sorry that that Paige Del Rio thing. It just kind of, it hit deep. I, I don't want anyone to end up like that. Just stay safe. Fair, uh, just, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, fair winds and following seas to all of you. And until next time, good night. <laughs>